0: Diving into data, diving, diving, data, diving into data with T.C. Riley. Hello, hello, hello again, everyone, and welcome into another episode of Diving into Data. I am your host, T.C. Riley. How are we doing out there? How are things going? How's the summer treating you? If you're like me and you live somewhere uh, in the south here, you're probably more than ready for summer to be over. Uh, If you live in Texas, you know we got at least two more months of it to go. But wherever you are, I hope that you are doing well. I hope you and yours are staying healthy. And I'm excited today to dive into some data with you. And our title of the episode today, How Data Drives a COVID World. So those of you who listen a lot know that I've tried to stay away from COVID as much as I can. Obviously, it's inevitable we got to talk about it at some point. But that's all you hear about everywhere. However, um, it is going to be one of our main stories today. But it's not actually about Um, We're not getting into politics here. We're not getting into even really healthcare that much. What we're getting into is data security in healthcare and public health. So we're talking about all the data that's being collected here, some of the challenges is presented. We're going to talk about how kind of liability and consent um, works around this, how potentially using alternative platforms like social media can make that a little bit easier and lower that bar. We're going to talk about what the government can and can't do in terms of data collection, some of the feelings towards that. Uh, going to talk about how some different private companies are working with the government, helping the government out, trying to help public health officials to get some of this data. Um, and we're going to wrap up with a nice little case study of how United Health has been specifically using data for a better COVID response. So a lot of things that are tangential to the COVID situation that are not actually about um, the growing numbers or cases or tests or anything like that. So that's our main topic today. Um, our other topic is going to be all about MarTech, uh, marketing technology. Um, specifically how automation, AI, and analytics are really driving um, marketing technology and the way that the market is changing and how you should adapt to that with marketing technology. So I'm excited for today's episode. Hope you are as well. Sit back, relax, grab a drink if you choose to do so. Let's practice some social distancing. Let's go dive into some data. Alrighty, so our main topic, as I mentioned this week, is going to be around data security in healthcare and public health. We're going to touch on a number of things related to this, but really, um, in some regard, this is all around COVID related things and how data is playing a part in them. As you know, if you've listened to the show before, what we try and do here is keep it topical, talk about what's going on in the world, but let's do it from the data lens. Let's not just talk about, again, we're not getting into an argument here. All we got is facts and numbers. That's what we trust here, diving into data. As always, I have some great sources this week. And actually, a special shout-out to my primary sponsor. They have no idea about this, of the week, um, Forbes. Um, Every article, actually, I've got five different articles we're going to quote throughout the show today. And every one of them is from Forbes. If you follow Forbes, you know they got some great stuff. And, hey, uh, when it lines up and they are covering everything I want to talk about, it works out well. So uh, I've got four Forbes articles in this first one we're going to discuss. Social media and liability waivers and COVID-19 contact tracing. Uber helping public government health officials in contact tracing. Worried about government data collection for COVID contact tracing? Question mark. And our last one, it's one of those Teradata Analytics Plus uh, things that Forbes done. Um, it's about how United Health Group has harnessed data for better COVID responses. So again, thank you to the folks at fine folks at Forbes with their excellent content um, and a lot of great data content. If you're looking for some data sources out there, highly go encourage you to go look under uh, their big data section. Always have some great stories there. Um, But what we're all talking about, again, is data security and healthcare and public health. So from a very high level, what we're talking about, data security is a difficult topic in general. Data security is an even more difficult topic when we have so much new data that is not only being made available, but is needed in the world we're currently living in, especially as we talk about public health and things around that nature. It's hard to draw lines. Uh, There's a lot of times when Uh, Previously, I'd say, you know, you asked me six months ago, the utilization of data. I think more people had a little bit more concrete feeling about it since data was so often used for profit. I don't know how a better way to say it other than that. um, It's really hard to kind of draw a line and it probably challenges some people's beliefs and feelings on what they feel about data privacy. When you realize all the data that we're going to be talking about here and that a lot of what's been around COVID is for the public health uh, benefit and the public good. It's not necessarily for profit. It's not necessarily for a targeted ad campaign. It's not you talking about uh, you know a cat with your wife and your phone picking it up and advertising ca- kitty litter on your uh, Amazon account. It- it's not that. This is for public health. It's for a greater good. Uh, and data security laws and practices and a lot of things that have been in place. Frankly, weren't really prepared or written for this type of incident. We have a lot of constraints in place. Those. Those didn't consider a COVID world where we needed this vast amount of data so quickly. So it's understandable why it can be kind of challenging and why this is, even though data security, obviously, has always been a big thing and will continue to be a bigger and bigger, bigger thing as we move forward. The system, the laws were not built for this situation. So how are we adapting? Let's first look at the first article talks about social media, um, liability, consent, things of that nature with contact tracing. And what this article discusses is different ways in a specific way maybe that different health officials can utilize existing uh, technology, existing software, things that people already have and have access to and are providing data to in order to get some great COVID data. Um, also in order to get contact tracing waivers and things like that, being allowing companies to very easily say, hey, we need you if you're going to participate in this to provide this data to us around COVID. Because we need to know, we need to be able to mass alert, we need to be able to trace things of that nature. So this specific article is talking about these digital waivers that it's kind of have been become more and more common for companies, organizations, events, you name it. Someone out there that's going to have any accumulation of people in any uh, size, uh, any significant size, I should say. This also the heads up: what this is talking about is not only are we talking about digital waivers for attending an event and what you are in effect giving up as part of that agreement. It the whole purpose of this is to be able to alert everyone if there's a positive test, things of that nature, if there's a contact tracing opportunity here that w- wants to be pursued. It's it's a two-way street because not only are you having to give consent to the company, "Hey, you can you know use my data, you can alert people about my data." Obviously, it'll be anonymized. They're not going to blast out a notification to everyone that, "Hey, you know Bob Jones over here has COVID." But this also is a two-way street because it does require a user to provide certain things, like you notice of a positive test. Obviously, you go to a big event. The event's not necessarily going to know if anyone tests positive. It does have some two-way streets there. But what these digital waivers are doing that are becoming more common that are not only requiring participants to alert the company of future COVID tests, but also allowing them to receive notifications, blasts, whatever you want to call them, that there was a situation they were put at risk, uh, there was something that happened that maybe they came into contact with someone with COVID, what these things can do is that if you put these kind of waivers in place, you're 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 asking for people, frankly, to give up their data, which is is always going to be a challenge. But this can be used proactively to put best practices in place. Um, it's not just a matter of kind of after the fact, being able to go back and clean up whatever happened that wasn't supposed to happen or if there is a test or whatever. But also it allows organizers to think about it in a more strategic way how they can proactively put these things in place to ensure people are, are legally verifying that they aren't sick and haven't had a temperature. You can always ask someone. You, you've all, at some point in the last few months, talked to someone or had someone, you know, uh, we just had a great example. We had an AC repairman out this morning to our house. First thing they would do before they would send a tech out, they asked me, you and anyone in the family have COVID. Have you been sick? Things of that nature. Uh, we haven't, luckily, knock on wood. Uh, so I was able to say that. But what that is doing is it's it's a very simple consent for you to give that I'm just letting you know whether I have COVID or not, whether I've been sick or not. And by doing that at scale around large events, it gets around some of the privacy concerns we're going to hit on here in just a second around contact tracing and some of the things that go into it. Specifically, what I like about these waivers, the reason I led with this is that I'm looking for a solution here. I want to get back to events. If you know anything about me, you know I'm a massive sports fan. Not only am I happy that sports are starting back up, hint, hint, that's probably going to be a heavy topic next week on the show. But I want something that is actually functional for concerts. I have lots of friends that do that. And trade shows, which are critical not only to our business, but millions of B2B businesses out there. We want these things to work. We want to find a place in a world and a strategy that allows us to get back to normal or as close to normal as we can. And by using these types of waivers, by tying in things like uh, social media, if, you know, if you're going to send out an event and you got a Facebook event, well, part of the thing of when you click attend to go to that Facebook event is you have to agree that you're going to provide this information. By being strategic around this, by being smart around this, and by ensuring that we really, really know the best way to go about this, we're going to be able to get back to normal a heck of a lot quicker than if we just kind of say, well, you can't have any of my information, but I also need to know everyone else's information. It doesn't work that way, so we need this two-way street. To give a couple specific examples, one article talked about Uber contact tracing, what Uber is doing for those utilizer their service. So, obviously, given the proximity of riders and drivers, the you know the quick and frequent interactions between people, um, as you know, as part of Uber, and this would apply to other ride-sharing services, uh, there is a more significant risk of spreading something like COVID. Compared to you know two random people walking down opposite sides of the street, so it, it makes sense why they're one that is kind of in the spotlight on this. And what Uber actually did, they actually did this before anything happened. They had created a portal, um, but it's picked up a ton of steam obviously since this has come live and COVID's become a thing. But they created a portal for public health officials to help them manage the situation. So this is a corporation going out of their way. Um, and a great example of business you know, in a corporation cooperating with a government and public health officials for the greater good. These are stories I want to see, frankly, a lot more of. I know a lot of companies are having a tough time. Their first instinct might be, I need to you know, batten down the hatches and help myself. I don't need to worry about sharing data and stuff like that. That's not my goal right now. But the more of these stories we see about sharing data, sharing information, we've talked a million times on this show about how the future of the world is absolutely tied in with the sharing of data and the utilization of not only your data, but tons of other public available data. And the thing that Uber is specifically doing with this portal is it's providing alerts. Not only are they, can they like bar certain riders and drivers, anyone with a positive test from being able to utilize the service, but... What they're doing is through this and through the consent you're giving Uber just to use their service, and again, if you use Uber a lot out there, uh, you know you're going to keep using Uber. You're not going to stop just because you have to agree to get, tell them about uh, some health data related to COVID. But this also, what's nice is this avoids the need for a, we'll call it a contract tracing app. There's been lots of talk out there. Google, Apple, of each independently developed those. A lot of governments and uh, people are not exactly uh, thrilled about the prospect of downloading those apps and pretty much saying, yes, Apple or Google have all my information, including my health and location information. But it is also worth noting that even though it's a great kind of contact tracing you know, alternative here, this only works for people actually utilizing Uber a lot, still relies on self-reporting of different pieces of data. So it's not perfect. At the end of the day, the federal government has made it pretty clear that a lot of the uh, burden for testing for contact tracing for preventative measure different preventative measures to prevent the spread of covid come down to the states it is the state's responsibility the federal government has made that very clear um, while it's supported a lot economically it has put it on the states and states need partnerships like this with real-time data there's not a state out there that has the budget infrastructure uh, data capabilities for lack of a better term to automatically just flip that switch and say great we have the solution that we're being really safe and really keeping track of everyone are able to do this in a way so through partnerships with companies like uber and uber's a great example again the proximity but it doesn't have to stop there there's a million other services out there that could make partnerships like this the states need those types of things they need real-time data they need the avenues that these type of partnerships open up in order to succeed so Props to you, Uber. I know you've had a lot of negative press over the last couple years and there have been some struggles, but uh, uh, this gentleman tips your hat to you for your sharing of data and helping public health officials with that. Well, as we're sitting here talking about data, one of the things I know I got a couple listeners out there thinking, what do you mean? I don't, I don't want anyone to have my data. So uh, next little <laughs> subtopic here is the government data collection concerns for contact tracing found some great stats in this article diving into data. Of course, we're going to list some stats here. I'm going to list off four of them to you real here that I think really tell the story about how uh, Americans specifically feel about data privacy. 84% of US people or US users feel that COVID will sacrifice their privacy. Very high level. Eighty-four percent of people in the U.S. think that's going to sacrifice their privacy in some way. Uh, this isn't anything specific; just COVID in general, and everything going on is going to sacrifice their privacy thanks to COVID. Eighty-four percent—it's a big number. Eighty-six percent think it's going to; their data is going to be used for something beyond COVID. Frankly, I, I would have to agree. Everything we've ever seen—those fourteen uh, percent—I I admire you for your uh, your trust, but a lot of people believe that with all of this data being collected yes it could go to public health it might be used in those ways it might be used specifically around covid and contact tracing yada 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 but five out of six at least think that more than five out of six believe that there's going to be some other use for this data someone else is going to get their hands on it and use another way 81 percent specifically think that it'll be used for targeted advertising you want to talk about distrust we're talking about public health data and things to generally make it better More than four out of five people think that this is going to be used to target them with ads. Can't blame them. Again, history repeats itself. We can see the evidence of what it's been used for in the past with this kind of personalized data. So I can't blame anyone for thinking that, hey, some company is going to get their hands on this, even if I'm providing it in a for the public good, for public health. It's going to be used to come back at me and advertise a bunch of junk I don't want to see. Fair. Can't Hard to argue. Again. And our last at 70%. Of Americans are hesitant to share data with law enforcement. That is a general stat, doesn't have to do with COVID. 70% are hesitant to share with data with law enforcement. There's a lot that goes into this and reasons. Again, we are not going to get into the last one, um, was more to kind of set a baseline and show that this, while this is very heavy around COVID, this isn't only about COVID. There's a lot of resistance and hesitancy out there when you even completely remove public health from the equation. But I think there's a pretty clear reason why people feel this way. There has been a misuse of data in the past. We are behind on our data privacy laws in this country. Even GDPR, for as good as it was a year or two ago, in my opinion, is already outdated and already missing the mark on some things that aren't truly protecting people. Over-the-top utilization of these this personal data for ads, again, you've heard all the stories, you've read it on Facebook or whatever about you know the couple that doesn't have a cat that pretends to talk about cat food for a week, and all of a sudden their Amazon feed is filled with cat food. I, I, people believe that um, it's very clear. Anytime you're clicking around on your browser, unless you're using a uh, uBlock Origin something similar or using Incognito mode or something like that, it, you see all the targeted ads and think, "I clicked on this one thing, you know, six months ago. Why am I still seeing ads for this?" People feel that companies will inherently misuse their data. They will misuse information. They will use it for less than pristine uh, you know, reasons for why they're going to use this. So there is a large mistrust of data. And when you create that environment, when we've created this system where people are nervous about this or concerned about this or hesitant to share this stuff, it adds an entire other element of difficulty to what we're dealing with with COVID because a app or a program or a service, whatever it may be, may truly only be using data for the public benefit, for public health, to keep people healthy and stop the spread of COVID. That could be literally the entire objective. They're never going to use this data again. It's never going to be used in any other way. But we're seeing that like four out of five people still don't trust that. And frankly, uh, we have we have failed the data world. And the commercial world, in my opinion, has kind of failed the consumer by over utilizing this, by getting too personal, too um, deep, especially when it comes to advertising. And now we're kind of seeing the results of that. And I don't know, I don't have a great solution for how to fix it, but uh, even though that's a lot of negative, I, we're going to end this little segment on a success story, a positive, a good thing that, hey, this does work and hopefully maybe encourage a couple of you out there who are, very hesitant to share any health data or pub, you know, with public health systems to uh, that. There can be good that comes from this. Um, and our success story, it comes from the Forbes Teradata uh, Analytics Plus uh, kind of combination that they've done, a little program that they've put together um, about United using data for COVID, non-COVID reasons. So what this article little talked about, again, I highly encourage you to go check this out. Really cool use case for how companies are utilizing advanced statistics. United acquired a company last year called Vivify Health. What Vivify Health does is they use Wi-Fi connected biometric tools to monitor health remotely. So think of a blood pressure cuff, think of a thermometer, things of that nature that are in your house, things that you can easily hook up, do a little test at home. It feeds that data to your doctor, to the hospital, whoever you're, you know is taking care of you or responsible for your health. What that does is it obviously opens up a ton of value and a ton of savings when it comes to... I need to go in for a weekly check. I have a, a 38, I think, week pregnant wife now. She is having to go to the doctor every single week to get checked on that. But she's able to take her own blood pressure and report it in a little app every other day, which her doctor requires. So instead of driving across town every other day to get a blood pressure checked, which seems a little ridiculous, go in, you know, they do it. Okay, your blood pressure is good. No, she just hooks up this little meter at home. She runs it. And it automatically reports the data to an app, which automatically feeds it into the health system, which the doctor has access to. They can proactively monitor that. This is an incredibly useful technology well before COVID. Uh, when there was, is purely a treatment and follow-up of a normal patient in a, again, a pre-COVID world, there's a lot of value because it allows the patients to be remote, saves doctors time, saves you time, saves money, um, saves strain on the healthcare system from all these little unnecessary things that you didn't need to do in person. But with COVID, there's even more value. And the way United able to do this is they can use this to monitor high-risk patients. Obviously, people who are high-risk, who are needing to stay at home, you don't even necessarily want them coming into a doctor's office right now or going to a hospital. So if we can do some of those tests at home, if you can do them yourself and report data back to us, we can make sure you're good and you don't need to come in. You don't have any risks, um, any symptoms or anything that's kind of making us worry that you need to be actually treated. Um, and from a kind of a meta or high level perspective, you can also take all of this accumulated data to do things like predict surges. Pre- looked at the data and look at symptoms. Look at what's being reported in areas. Um, maybe there's a spike in you know people with reporting fevers through one of these systems. And what Hel- United has been able to do is use this for surge prediction. Um, hospital prep related to that. So, Hey, there's a lot of things coming. We can move people. We can move supplies and equipment. If we need to make additional purchases to cover us in the future, rather than being reactionary, waiting for, if you've probably heard the news a lot, w- instead of waiting for the ICU to be filled or every respirator respirator to be used, they're not only proactively managing that from what they see in the hospital, but they're able to tap in, especially to those high risk patients, the ones most likely to end up there, unfortunately to proactively manage this so that, that they're ready. And that if they see some signs that maybe a spike's coming, great. They can work with their massive healthcare system to reorganize resources, move things, set a system that allows them to be successful when that surge inevitably happens. So United has, again, my hat's off to you, ladies and gentlemen at United UnitedHealth um, for using data in the right way, especially during the COVID outbreak. And the more I think that companies are able to do this, utilize this, Um, The more that people are able to trust the government and contract tracing apps and social media or whoever is collecting this data, the better off we're all going to be. But again, everything I'm saying here with the caveat of, as those numbers showed us from that article, uh, a lot of people don't necessarily trust how their data is going to be used. And maybe if we as a community and a market use data more responsibly, maybe that's a good way to say it then hopefully the next time we run into a challenge like this, we won't have these barriers. We won't have these trust barriers. Our barriers will be simply with things like COVID itself and the health ramifications. So I appreciate you sticking through that. I know it's kind of a heavy subject, uh, but it's incredibly interesting. And I'm curious to see what we're going to learn from this experience so that in the future, humanity and our healthcare systems and our government are able to be more proactive and manage things like this better. Stick around, we're gonna take a quick break here and diving into data. When we come back, we're gonna talk about something near and dear to my heart, obviously with my job, what I do all the time. Martech, marketing technology, and in a changing market, why it's even more important than it's ever been in the past. Stick around, we'll be right back. Alrighty. Welcome back to Diving Into Data, folks. Again, this is T.C. Ryle, your host, and hope you're hanging with us. We've got about five minutes left here in our segment to wrap up. And what we're going to touch on here is Martech in a changing market. So Martech's one of those fun words that, like FinCEN and FinTech, that that you you jam two markets together and add tech to the end um, or something like that. But what we're talking about is marketing technology, the use of automation, analytics, AI, technology for marketing purposes. And as I mentioned, it's a Forbes-only show today. Um, And the main primary source article I use for this one is a Forbes article by Daniel Newman um, titled, How Automation, AI, and Analytics are Driving Martech Amidst Market Challenges. And it's a great article. highly encourage you to read it if you're in the marketing and marketing tech world. But what this article really discusses is how Marketing technology has been important for many companies for, you know, close to a decade now, if not a lot longer. Um, But with the changes that we're seeing in the world, it's no longer becoming a, you know, you should have this and you should be ahead and get this or, uh, you know, you're you're really almost missing the boat here. You really should now. It's you have to. We're at a point where you have to have an effective MarTech stack in order to be successful, especially in a COVID and post-COVID world that we're going to be in. The first piece of this is all about digital transformation. Um, I've seen a lot of quotes, you've probably seen some too around there. Uh, The one particular one they did here was two years of digital transformation has taken place in two months. Uh, What we're talking about is that there's a lot of people and a lot of companies, a lot of marketers out there who have been dragged along, uh, for lack of a better term, towards the advancements in digital transformation of being able to utilize online technologies, getting away from the old school um, print advertising and everything of that nature. And frankly, if we're being honest, B2B marketing is a place where MarTech and technology adoption, digital transformation has overall kind of struggled if we're being honest compared to the uh, compared to the norm or the mean, I guess you could say. Um, but even though there's a lot of people that have struggled, it's not an option now, as I mentioned. You don't really have a choice. You need to be embracing this. This is one of the few times on my show where I will tell you, if you're not doing this, you're doing it wrong. It's as simple as that. And I, I I don't, I cannot think of an argument to make me think differently about that. Um, Digital marketing specifically is just more important than ever. It's a necessity. Personalization and automation, having a system like that in place, um, some type of marketing automation platform uh, is a requirement for, again, nearly every company I can think of. It would be difficult to come up with a use case where it wasn't. Um, and what this article next goes into is how data matters now more than ever, um, utilizing existing data, all this data that your company has probably been capturing, maybe hasn't been using uh, again, guilty as charged. We we've even done that a little bit here at market scale from being transparent, but utilizing this as sales become more and more difficult to come by uh, as the economy has had some ups and downs. Um, we don't know exactly where it's going to go, but, uh, one thing we know in person sales opportunities, if you heavily relied on those in the company, you're probably in a tight spot because those have been all but eliminated right now. So you you need the used data now more than ever. Again, music to my ears being the data guy. Um, And frankly, if you have not already, right now, today, literally, right as you're listening to this, get on your laptop. Right now is the time to invest in the infrastructure and platforms you need if you haven't already done so. Uh, There's a lot of different things out there. We're not saying you have to go buy a $100,000 software platform and implement it by tomorrow what we're saying is that if you haven't already started this transformation, frankly, you're already kind of missing the boat. You can still jump on from the dock, though, if you get a running start. So come on, it's not too late. Let's get going. The next little thing it talks about in this article is the automating for efficiency. There's some numbers here that kind of blew my mind. There's a study, and an estimate provided that marketing teams across the U.S. will lose $222 billion in budget by the end of 2021. I'm going to say that number again. Lose $222 billion in marketing budget for these marketing teams in the next year and a half. At the same time, there's expected to be a staff reduction by 30%. So marketing teams are looking at losing, again, a total of $222 billion and 30% of their staff by the end of 2021. That's a shocking number. That's a lot. That's a lot of money, and that's a lot of staff. So How on earth are you going to keep up if you don't have the resources? Sales, you're already telling me, are harder to come by. How are we going to do it with less, you know, a third less people and lose a big chunk of our budget? What you have to do is you have to have at least the same number of touch points with less bandwidth. You only really have one option here, folks. Automation. Be smart about it. Use technology. You have to be able to find a balance between automation and personalization through marketing automation technology and marketing technology. Again, that, that's a very important distinction. Again, balance between automated and personalized. You can't just cut the entire budget, make everything some generic email, every marketing communication be the same, you know, uh, campaign or drip email or whatever you want to call it, and expect it to be good. And frankly, you're not going to have the time, money, and resources and people to make everything incredibly personalized. So you have to strike that nice balance between the two that. You are relying on automation to replace some of this budget that's inevitably going to go away, replace some of these staff members that unfortunately are inevitably going to go away probably by the end of next year, and still maintain the personalization that's required to really close a deal. Don't rely too much on automated, but you can't do personalized too much. So you got to strike the balance between the two of those. And when we're talking about here, even though this is a, we got to make this happen now, this is also future-proofing yourself. Ad spends and budgets are decreasing. We've seen that. Again, Google is still reporting that they're having some good ad numbers. A lot of the tertiary kind of advertising numbers are showing that companies' and ad spend and budgets are decreasing. However, at the same time, they estimate that MarTech spend is going to grow by 3%. So we're talking about cutting people, cutting budget, cutting ad spend, cutting everything you can think of here as it relates to it. But marketing technology spend is still expected to increase. Why? Why? Why is that the one thing that's exempt? Well, it's pretty easy. The last four months have showed us that those who didn't have it wish that they did. (laughs) They 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 realized that oops, this was a big mistake not to have this in place. And those people are going to make the investments. Additionally, all the people that have it, I highly doubt anyone's getting rid of marketing uh, automation technology and marketing technology right now because they know that they might have limited bandwidth. They know they need to use the stuff even more, not less. So. The fact that that's going to be actually still growing when the overall marketing picture maybe doesn't look quite as hot. That's just the the perfect example of why you need to embrace this. You need to future-proof yourself. Um, You can't just decrease connections and personalization and go automation. Sales are going to be even harder than they were before. You, You can't rely on the entire staff you have or hope that you can just replace it with more people trying harder. It's not going to work. You need to embrace the technology embrace marketing automation platforms, embrace drip campaigns, embrace things of that nature, because again, it's not too late, but it will be soon. Uh, and the last point that the article makes is, our, again, why are we doing all this? ROI has never been important as it is right now. You're going to have probably some tighter margins. It's a, it's a reality of the situation. There are going to be some companies that struggle, um, probably have been struggling, unfortunately, the last four months and are going to continue to do so for a little while. So with tighter margins, you need an even better view of spend and return. You also need a platform and a system that makes that possible. If you know that the the unicorn of the marketing world is ROI, because man, can it be difficult. General attribution probably isn't going to cut it in the world we're looking at. Again, we're talking about that budget being cut. We need something that gives us concrete data to prove what is and isn't working. You can't really do that by just piecing stuff together. You need some type of marketing technology. You need a very good structure. And again, this is not me advocating for any specific tool platform or even necessarily a full spend as much as it is a general investment in marketing technology. Maybe that means using exactly what you have now, but educating your folks a little bit more to use it, forcing the team to automate even more. Don't let it become a thing that keeps getting kicked down the road because, you know, Oh, well, yeah, we we need to do more marketing automation. We need to set up drip campaigns. We're going to do that. No, do it now. You got to do it now. Um, Marketing teams need to play offense with data. At the end of the day is what we're kind of saying here overall. And the best way to do this is by embracing technology, embracing analytics, embracing what is and isn't working. If you don't have those numbers, embracing a system that provides you those numbers, whatever it may be. There's a lot of things you can do as a marketer, specifically as a digital marketer. And now is the time. If you haven't already made those investments, you got to catch up, and the time is now. With that, we are going to wrap up our show here. I appreciate you guys joining me for another episode of Diving Into Data. Again, we talked our main topic today around data security and healthcare and public health all of the things that are going around, especially with contact tracing and things like that, how that a lot of people are skeptical, of how this data is going to be used. And while there's a lot of good ideas out there, it's going to naturally run into some resistance because of those fears and skepticism that people have. But we've also saw a success story of how United Health is utilizing this to be more effective in their COVID preparations, their COVID management of all of their hospitals and systems and people that are working with them. And we wrapped up today with a story around how MarTech in a changing market and a changing world is more important than ever. If you have not invested in marketing technology, decent chance your budget is not going to grow, your staff is not going to grow. It's time to be able to automate and personalize all at the same time and find that happy medium so that you can stay connected. You can provide those buyers the experience, the connection, the level of detail, the education, the content that they need while still being able to effectively do that without a team of a million people behind you to help you do it. So, invest in that MarTech if you haven't already. I appreciate you guys going along for the ride today. Again, this has been TC Riley with Diving Into Data. And until next time, see ya.